Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of the territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Exciting interview today, and it hits a lot of different topics because not only is Gerard Shaw the president of Cape Breton Eagles Hockey, but he's also the father of Logan Shaw, since signing in free agency this year. But we also get into some great background on Igor Sokolov, Kevin Mandelise, and Drake Batherson. All that and another Q team, Moncton, has a new star on their hands and he happens to be a Sen six-rounder. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, November 9th, and uh, Pilsy had to leave it out of the intro because you don't want to take away from the enthusiasm, but we have to start with the show with the, the big news, the sad news. Uh, it's the passing of Alex Trebek. Um, we know he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, a couple of years ago. We fought to the very end, had that special moment with the Ottawa Senators at the NHL draft. Uh, so we want to wish our condolences to his friends and family. What, when you think to the name Alex Trebek, what comes to mind? Yeah, d- definitely deeply saddened to hear the news. And I mean, uh, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is him hosting Jeopardy. And as a kid, I actually watched more Jeopardy than uh, I realized. I, was, I grew up out in the country, so I didn't have uh, cable or high-speed internet. We had like six channels. One of them showed Jeopardy. So we would always watch that after dinner. And yeah, you're shouting out answers at the TV and uh, you think you, you've got it figured out. But man... I'm just, I'm just glad we got to have that moment where he introduced Timmy Stutzla because that was just, what a great Ottawa moment, right? Like, what a, what a great uh, community PR move by the Senators and by Trebek. So, and Timmy Stutzla even tweeted out he was saddened to hear the news because he was hoping to meet the man who introduced him, which that would have been a great, uh, a great event, those two meeting. But condolences to the friends and families of Alex Trebek because what a what a legend and what a couldn't happen to a better person unfortunately so this is tough news for everyone he hosted Jeopardy for 36 years Insane. let that sink in and the most popular uh, trivia style show in U.S. history hosted by a Canadian of course Trebek was born in Sudbury but has those ties to Ottawa forever based on well, he graduated from the University of Ottawa, but he's donated so much to Ottawa and uh, Canada in general was named to the order. And in 2018, we had uh, the Sens tweeted out the video of him at a game in 2017 wearing the jersey and, and everything. So um, rest in peace to Alex Trebek. His, his legacy will live on forever. There's no doubt about that. And It'll also live on in Timmy Stutzla because now whenever we think of that, just like when you think of Eric Carlson's draft, you think of Daniel Alfredson drafting him in Ottawa. The same will be said forever with Timmy Stutzla having that special moment. So stick taps, and uh, we don't often give stick taps to Eugene Melnick on this show, but 
It was his idea to get the, the Trebek on there, him and his girlfriend. So I think that was just such an amazing move. And Pilsy, how about the strength of Alex Trebek that deep into his cancer diagnosis? He looked amazing and poised. And really, he just exuded all the, the attributes we knew he had uh, with that the, the almost like almost a level of cockiness where he's just he knows he's amazing at what he does and he made that clear even in in his latest clip that we got to see at the draft I mean he was a pro's pro right like you said it yourself 30 was it 37 years like 36 yeah 36 years like that and guy do you know do you know how he became an option for jeopardy no so he put in a reel because his friends like this will get you into Hollywood and Trebek wanted to be an actor. So he thought that it would put, uh, put him into a position where he could do that. A little did he know that he would become uh, famous for just staying in that spot. So I think that that's pretty cool in itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like th- this, this guy's a master at his job at this point, you know, like the whole 10,000 hours uh, uh, theory. I, I, for sure, he's done more than 10,000 hours of Jeopardy and preparing and um, d- doing what he did so, so well. And yeah, like you said, like if you didn't know that he was uh, battling cancer, you probably wouldn't be able to figure it out from seeing him on TV. He looked so poised. He looked like he was doing what he loves. So definitely tough news, that's for sure. Absolutely. And um, his final Jeopardy episode will air on Christmas, which will be wow. a, a touching tribute for that as well. Alex Trebek, rest in peace. Uh, a great true Canadian. And uh, we also have great Canadians all over this country. And I, in particular, Pilsy, love the East Coast so much. We had Gerard Shaw join us yesterday for a great chat. Like, I know that I'm a bit more familiar. I get into in the interview that I lived out in the East Coast for a few years, but there's just something about that accent. Doesn't it just make you feel like like at home and just very relaxed? Yeah, it's, it's got a coziness to it. Like that is like when I think of the, the term salt of the earth people, I think uh, that's what comes to mind. And you'll, you'll hear it. Like, all, like we went into depth about a lot of players and I don't think he mentions stats at all. Like not, I don't think there was a single statistic thrown out by him. He mostly focuses on the character and the hard work and the attitudes of these young men that are trying to become professional hockey players. So I, I love the approach that the, the East Coast lifestyle has, especially when it comes to hockey. So Gerard Shaw, I mentioned it off the top. He's the president of Cape Breton Eagles hockey. He has been for the last few seasons. He's a born and raised Cape Bretoner. So he's born up in the island. He says, if you don't have character and he's had some bad character guys on the team, he doesn't only want you off the team, he wants you off the island. So I think that that says enough, but it also explains what made Igor Sokolov. And there's a great story in this interview uh, that we're just about done teasing. We'll get to it in a moment, but it's amazing. I'll I'll just leave it at that. And um, I think that we always say that we're not going to tease interviews until uh, they're recorded, but based on what he says about Igor Sokolov, I don't think we're going to get stood up. So on tomorrow's Locked On Senators, Igor Sokolov will be joining us. But before that we get him. I think it's amazing that Gerard joined us beforehand because the insight into what made Sokolov go from a guy undrafted to a second rounder and with a high ceiling, I think it says enough, doesn't it, Pills? Yeah, what a what a story, and yeah, I, I won't. Uh, we won't drag you guys along in suspense too much. Uh, too much more here. So go ahead and uh, introduce the uh, the interview here. And before we get to the interview with not only the president of Cape Breton Eagles, but the father of Logan Shaw, 
Let's grab a Built Bar so we're fired up for the interview. You know Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Look, how about that for variety? Eight have nuts. Eight are nut-free, but all 16, any Built Bar you get will be 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're so easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They have the grand slam in nutrition. I say this and I mean it. Low calorie, low sugar, yet high in protein, high in fiber. Find me one right away. This is how I start every day after my workout. I grab a Built Bar and sometimes I even text Pillsy. If we don't do an episode for a couple of days, I'm wondering, what is Pillsy's pick of the week? I got a good one for you, Ross. You're going to like this one. And this is a, a limited re-release. I teased this flavor to you guys, um, I think, a month ago. This is a fall flavor because I don't know what the weather's like for you in Toronto, Ross, but uh, up here in Collingwood, it is nice weather out. You got to be getting outside, doing hikes, doing bike rides. And with that, you need Built Bar and you need this delicious flavor, pumpkin chocolate chip cookie, your fall Built Bar perfect for when you're outside enjoying the the last little taste of this warm weather we'll probably have yeah as your girlfriend gets her pumpkin spice latte you one upper with your built bar go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and it'll get you 20 percent off your first order of built bar builtbar.com promo code locked on 20 percent off your first order all right here he is gerard shaw All right, we now welcome a very special guest. He's the president of Cape Breton Eagles Hockey and proud father of a recent Send signing, Gerard Shaw. Welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, guys. Glad to be here. Hey, we're excited to chat about the development of some Sens prospects that you've been able to witness over the past few seasons. But first, I'm a big fan of the East Coast in general. Fans of the show know I, I grew up uh, living in Halifax for a few years. I'm interested in Cape Breton Eagles hockey. It's been such a staple since Marc-Andre Fleury went first overall out of that system way back, what, 2000? But I'm curious to know, for maybe some fans who aren't as familiar, what does it mean to be a Cape Breton, dare I say, screaming eagle? No, you can't dare to say screaming eagle. We're now, we're now just eagles. We eliminated screaming last year. So, uh, you know, after 23 years, uh, we thought it was time for a rebrand, and we rebranded Cape Breton Eagles and uh, with a new owner, a new, new ownership group. Um, so we made that change, and uh, we're happy we did it. Um, you know what it means to be an Eagle? Uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being a, a hardworking, boots-on-the-ground type of team, and I think we got away from that for a few years in the organization. And when I became president a few years ago, I, uh, I you know, I really uh, prided myself on making that change and getting us back to what I believe a true Eagle needs to be. And that's a gritty, hardworking, big, tough team to play against. And, and I think we did that last year. We were on, uh, we were on track last year. We thought to have an exciting finish to the end of the season. We thought we were built to be a, a, a team to go deep. Uh, unfortunately, COVID played a, uh, played a, put a real big uh, dagger through our heart on that one. But uh, we were excited about where we were last year and the type of team we were. So big, strong, tough, hard to play against. Um, that's where we want to be. So we, we want to talk about uh, your goalie last year, Kevin Mandelise, Q goalie of the year. What can you tell us about him? And what I'm curious about is every year it seemed like he was improving each year. But did you expect such a stellar season for him in his last year? 
Uh, actually, truly and honestly, I did last season because of the type of character and person that Kevin Mandelaise is. I can't say enough about the type of person, the person he is and the dedication he has to the game and the dedication he has to making himself better. He wanted to prove that he was a true number one, and he made that very, very clear over the course of the, the past few seasons. You'll never get a better quality person than Kevin Mandelaise, first of all, and then you'll net it, you won't get a better leader. He's the type of player that wants to be in the dressing room and helping every person in the dressing room as well as making himself better. And uh, there's no question about that. He was a true number one goaltender in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League last year, probably the best goaltender in the league by the, uh, by the end of the season. And, uh, and I think he's only going to get better. Uh, you know, and a, a testament to Kevin, he called me two days ago wanting to know if, uh, if we wanted to bring him back for, uh, for the next number of weeks for him to help mentor the other two goaltenders that are here and to be a mentor in the dressing room. That's the type of person Kevin Mangalese is. I can't say enough about him. Did I believe he was going to be a true number one? I absolutely did. Oh, I loved hearing that. The leadership aspect of a goalie goes, uh, I think, pretty undervalued from time to time. And we saw this year, the Sens obviously have drafted a lot of goalies in, in recent years. And because of that, for example, last year, Joey Decord came out and had to start in the East Coast League. So you're saying he's the kind of guy who would take that in stride if he does have to work his way up from a lower level because he's just going to put in the work and his drive is going to bring him to the next level. I think Kevin Mandelaise knows, and, and, and I truly believe, he will start in the East Coast Hockey League because of the depth that Ottawa have in goal right now. He won't be there alone. That's great, and it's especially good for goalies to have to work. Like, like you said, Kevin had to prove that he was a number one goalie uh, just in Cape Breton alone. What, uh, what were some things that you noticed? You said you thought for sure he was going to have a good season and take the number one job. What are the things that he did to ensure that he was going to get that number one starting job night in and night out? I think Kevin knew, and as did we, that his skill level was there. Uh, you know, obviously every goaltender has to work on, you know, uh, on the little things, speed across the paint, and those types of things. But uh, the one thing that he, I think, was uh, that he was struggling with a little bit was the, was the mental component of the game and the confidence level. You know, when you're having bad games and bouncing back from that. Kevin uh, reached out and, uh, and got his, you know, the help of a sports psychologist that worked with him day in and day out, bringing him back to where he needed to be mentally and focusing uh, and changing that part of his game. And I think if there's any one thing that he changed – was that mental focus and, uh, and ensuring that the bad days didn't, didn't disrupt him as much as they may have before that. And that was very, very evident. After you saw the bad games with Kevin last year, he'd bounce back with a, with a stellar game. So uh, I think if there's any one thing that would, the changes that were made for Kevin was that. Oh, that consistency is so important going into the pro ranks too, especially playing in the East Coast or in the AHL. I mean, you know best. Your son's been up and down in that situation quite a bit where you're playing three games in three nights. You have to let a bad game go and be able to regroup and focus on the next game. Talking about growth, though, I don't know if we've seen any bigger growth than Igor Sokolov over the last few seasons. This guy, he was always big in stature, but when you look, leading the queue in goals this past season – after being passed over in the draft, is that the same sort of thing where he took what could have been a negative of not being selected last year and turned it into a positive, just putting in the work every day? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things about Igor, and there's a little story that I, that I will share, and I don't know if Igor will like me to share it, but I'll share it anyway. Uh, at the end of uh, my first season as president, at the end of uh, the season, um, Igor came to my office and we chatted a little bit, and I, I'd asked him where he wanted to be 
you know, in a year or two and the three, what, what's his goal? And he's, you know, in Igor's words, I want to play pro. And I looked at Igor and I said, pro Igor, you're not a pro player. You'll never play pro. Uh, and he had a quiver in his lip and a little tear in his eye and because he wanted it more than anything else. And, uh, and I said, you're 242 pounds. You put on seven pounds, put it on seven pounds in season, which is not possible. If you're committing to your training, you're committing to your, 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 your wellness nutritional habits there's no way you can put six or seven pounds on in season so that tells me you really don't want it so you know that i said so what here's what you need to do go home take a couple of weeks off in russia go see your family and friends you're coming back to halifax and train commit to your nutrition com commit to your commit to your training drop the weight that you need to drop and come back and prove to everybody next year you're a pro player the next year at training camp igor came to my office can i see you for a minute known as broken as broken english and Walked into my office, ripped his shirt up. He was ripped. I'm playing pro. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the type of – from there, Igor just took off. Um, you know, he, want, he, he committed to everything he needed to commit to to being a player, increasing his foot speed, decreasing his weight. His conditioning is, uh, is, 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 no, is as good as any right now. He didn't go back home to Russia uh, after, uh, after COVID. He stayed here with his billet. He trained in our, in our dressing room. In our, in our facility here at Center 200, under Chris Cullig and our coach, he, they, they met with him every day, trained every day here, then started to skate when he could, when the rinks opened back up again, skating with Logan and Drake and that in Halifax four days a week. His commitment to being a pro, his commitment to being a leader, is as good as anybody I've seen in my entire time involved in the game. Uh, he wants it more than anybody that I know. And I mean, when he ripped up his shirt there and you saw the transition from, from one meeting to the next, did you put that A right on his jersey then and there? There's no question in my mind he was going to be that guy. He's loved by everybody in the dressing room. He's loved by every member, every, every Cape Bretoner uh, that goes to a game or knows anything about Igor. He's a guy that you love. He's a guy that comes to the rink with a smile. He wants to be, he wants to be uh, a Cape Bretoner. He wants to be a pro hockey player. And it's, it's impossible not to like Igor Sokolov. Before we recorded, uh, you were actually telling us a little bit about Igor's character. So I want to get you to go into that a little more. We, uh, we all saw the story of, uh, like you said, he didn't go back to Russia after uh, the pandemic hit. He stayed in Cape Breton. And we all saw the story where he was hanging around, driving around, delivering groceries for people around town that weren't able to go to the store. Uh, so he obviously wants to be a part of this community. What else can you tell Sens fans about the character that Igor Sokolov has off the ice? Yeah, listen. There's there's never there's never a location or a place that Igor goes that you know that kids or or uh, fans uh, don't want to see or talk to Igor. Their biggest mistake is saying hello or talking to him because he'll never let you go. Uh, he's just that type of guy. But you're right about the groceries. His billet family had owned a grocery store, and um, when this all started, uh, Igor started delivering groceries all over all over Industrial Cape Breton to those people who needed them, and uh, and and that was just. You know, that was his way of not only contributing back, but his way of staying connected with Cape Breton and, 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 and loving the people. He just loves people. He can't wait to talk to them. He can't, he can't wait to be around them. Listen, if I could uh, have Igor back in our lineup tomorrow, I'd have him back in our lineup tomorrow. I mean, he's just that type of guy that you want to have. And listen, his, his power, you know, he's, he's a gentle giant, and sometimes he, he loses sight of the fact that, you know, his, his work on the wall could be so much better. If he used that strength and his ability to do it, He's that type of a guy that doesn't necessarily want to hurt anybody, but he, you know, and that's just the type of guy he is. But 
when he's changed his work on the wall last year, and now, listen, guys, he there's goals that Igor scores is, that goaltenders should save, but they don't because he puts the puck through them. And, and you know, when the stick is out, if their stick is not out far enough, he's putting the stick through their legs with the puck because he has that type of brute strength. And, uh, you know, and I... It's hard. It's hard for me not to say enough about that guy. I love every part of his game right now. I, I love. I love Igor as a person. His release is is unreal too. Just watching highlights, beating goalies clean on almost every one of his goals. You mentioned making himself at home in the community. Are we going to see him out in a lobster boat anytime soon? Listen, don't put it. Don't, don't put it past him. He's here lobster season. He'd be, he'd be a guy slinging, slinging traps. Well, it's the uh, it's the perfect transition to a, a local Nova Scotian, although I know he's more from the Anaganish area. Drake Batherson, a graduate of the program in Cape Breton. Another guy, actually, who was passed over in his first draft year and then made some changes as well. There's also been a growth in Drake in terms of his physique, too. How much do you think that played an impact in his growth? Or he always had the smarts. What was it that really pushed Drake into that next level tier of prospect? Listen, before I before I started in this part of uh, my hockey life, I was a scout in Lewiston and Cape Breton and Moncton for for, for years, and I was scouting uh, when Drake was playing midget hockey, and uh, and bantam hockey. And I know Drake's father well, Norm. Um, we you know we we chatted a fair bit, talked a fair bit, and um, as I watched Drake, uh, even as a scout myself, it was hard for me to envision Drake with the with the amount of skill that he had in midget. It was still hard for me to envision envision Drake as a as a QMJHL player because he was probably, you know, five, five feet tall, 110, 120 pounds. He was a tiny, slight little kid, and uh, playing playing as as fifteen years old in, uh, in in major midget. So even myself, you know, I, I I'd like to say that I you know I saw I I pictured Drake as the as the player he is today. Did I picture his skill level? Absolutely. Could, would never have taken that from him. Did I see him as, a, as this type of a player, even though I knew his dad was a big guy and his family from North Sydney here, his grandfather are good, good players. I didn't see Drake, Drake's growth, physical growth, being taking, taking off the way it did. And if there's anything that, that, uh, that changed Drake, Drake's game was his growth and committing to his, committing to his fitness and his training there was no question about his skill level, even at, even in the major major level when he was at when, they, when he was that size. I mean, he was he was a, he was a terrific player then. Skilled, smart, ho- ho- hockey IQ for a major player was off the charts. Uh, it was the one thing that stopped all of us as looking at Drake as that player was that it was his size, and uh, you can't teach size. So uh, you know he he brought that he started to grow, and Drake became the became the player he is. But again, I know I keep talking character because I'm a big guy about character. You know, if you're not, a, I've I've had guys on our team that aren't character guys, and you're not going to be on my team. That's going to be for very long if you're not a character guy. I want you out of the dressing room. I want you off our, off the island. Uh, Drake Batherson is an absolute character person, um, and you know, you talk to Igor about Drake and what Drake did for Igor. That that's not surprising to anybody because that's just who Drake is. Yeah, so I'm seeing a common denominator here with all these prospects. They're finding one part of their game that they need to change, whether it's, uh, like you said, Mandelisi, the mental. Uh, Igor, he knew he had to change his fitness. And Drake, similar thing, his physique needed to change. But with Drake, you said you've watched him a long time since he was in midget. 
So what's what's the one consistent thing that Drake is always doing right? I know you mentioned hockey IQ, but we like to think Drake is such a good all-round player. But in your mind, what's the one thing that Drake has always done and continues to do that makes him such a good hockey player? 200-foot player, um, both 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 ends of the ice. Uh, you know, Drake Drake may be up in the offensive end zone, but you're taking it when you when you're looking back. Drake's also the first guy back checking. Uh, it's a 200-foot game for Drake all of the time. He does he does a lot of things well, uh, but he's the he's the guy that's not going to be you know he's he's not Ovechkin going to be dragging himself on the blue on the on the on the red line when it, when it's five on four in the other the other end zone. The Ovechkins of the world get away with that. The Drakes of the world don't. Drake understood that and understands he has to be a 200-foot player, and that's what Drake has become. Before we move on from from Drake, I, I know that. There was a story, actually, Bruce Garriock wrote that when Igor came over from Russia, Drake was one of the guys who took him under his wing. Do you have any memories of the two of them really getting along early in their time there? Yeah, so for, for me, I, I came in slightly after Drake. Uh, Drake, um, Marc-Andre Dumont was the GM and head coach here at the time, and uh, I wasn't president at the time that uh, that Drake was here. Watched them play, obviously, uh, listened to the stories, but Drake's billet and Drake and Igor billet at the same billet family, um, so it was easy for you know transition for Drake to take Igor under his wing and Igor came here because they were living under the same roof, so that was the easy transition. Uh, Igor has lots of stories about the things that Drake actually did for him personally, and I've heard Igor talk about those. And again, the stories that I hear from Igor, it, it's not surprising. That's just who Drake is. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And the Sens have made it clear, whether they want to admit it or not, that they draft players who've known each other in the past. Um, and yeah. I, can, I only think that helps. Hey, it's going to help us write stories when the Sens ultimately win the Stanley Cup here down the road. Or maybe the Calder Cup in Belleville. We know <laughs> that uh, there's a chance that yeah, yeah. your son Logan's going to be a part of that. We, we actually were super impressed when uh, Brandon and I worked in, in Belleville and Manitoba came through and Logan was one of the best players on the ice. And now, of course, maybe for everyone who doesn't know that Logan signed with the Ottawa Senators this, uh, this offseason. What, uh, what kind of player, for anyone who doesn't know, is Logan? We can assume he was a Cape Breton Screaming Eagle, so he's great in the room and has that character that defines the, the Eagles' uh, culture. But what, what else can, uh, can Sens fans expect to see from Logan? You know, you know, I'm a little biased, I guess. But no, the, you're the, not. The one thing that I would say <laughs> is that you know, Logan was never the best player on any team he's played with growing up but he was always the hardest working player on every team. And that included practice. And, you know, many players who are better than Logan, who haven't figured it out. I would say Logan figured it out. He figured out what he needed to be, to be a pro player. Uh, he knows his role. He knows he's not a, you know, a 20 or 30 goal scorer. He knows he has to be, a, you know, he's a, he's a very defensive minded, good PK type of guy, uh, you know, to play the offensive side in the AHL, the transition from the AHL to NHL gets a little tougher, but, um, 200-foot player, defensive-minded, great, great character again, but, you know, hardest-working player there, but understands his role. And even, you know, when, and, and that's one of the things that I think has kept him in the NHL and the AHL for, for the time that it's done is that, you know, in the NHL when he's getting three to five minutes of ice time and maybe no PK time, he doesn't go, you know, doesn't go away soaking and crying about it. He takes that weight into the next game and in his dressing room he's the same type of player whether he gets 10 or 15 minutes as he gets three or four minutes. So he's figured out what, it, what, he needs to, what he needs to be and what coaches need him to be uh, at, at the pro level. So I would say if there's, to a, te a testament to Logan would be exactly that. He's figured it out. 
No surprise that it sounds like uh, Logan has that character aspect to him uh, being raised in Cape Breton area and playing with the, the Screaming Eagles. So that doesn't surprise me at all. But Gerard, your your Twitter profile picture is him in uh, Winnipeg's Jets jersey. We got to get uh, get you a new one with him in those nice, shiny new Sands ones, no? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I've, uh, I've got to change those pictures from, you know, Florida, Anaheim, Montreal, Winnipeg, Manitoba, San, San Antonio. Well, I have to get him in some Ottawa paraphernalia and get a change, new, change my picture. I didn't know whether I was looking at a hockey DB page or if I was looking at every team in, in North America. I, <laughs> how, how many jerseys do you guys have in the garage? Yeah, we have, we have a few. A few too many, I think, sometimes. Pretty, pretty cool, though. I mean, you just mentioned the list of teams, but it's awesome the, the experience that he's been able to have playing an original six market like Montreal, and that's probably as close to home as he could have got, maybe Boston, but still must have been such a thrill to play for Montreal. Got to live in Newport Beach, play for the Anaheim Ducks. Can't complain yeah. about that. And, and Florida, so many different cultures. I, I feel like that that's such an important part during, during a rebuild because we spoke about the up-and-coming guys. I don't think you can undersell how important it is to have guys who have been through the battle. Like Logan played in the East Coast League when, when he came out of the Quebec League. So to grind up and, and be able to play as many NHL games as he's been able to, over 215 right now, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to call it, Logan's going to be playing more than half the year in Ottawa. I think that DJ Smith is the kind of coach who loves these reliable two-way players. So I think that uh, for anyone listening too, keep your eye on Logan Shaw this year. And uh, Pillsy, I'm sure you can attest because you were at that game with me in Manitoba when he scored 27 that year, and he looked awesome. I, I love the two-way game that he brings. No, I think uh, one of the things that I, I think is probably helpful for uh, for a guy like Logan coming to uh, to an organization like Ottawa that may have some young players is, you know, he's had the he's had the luxury to play with guys like Getzlav and Perry and uh, Yarmir Jagr. Uh, you know, and, and through the Canadians organization in that original six when it's, you know, you guys know how tough it is to be, to be a player in Montreal. Uh, you well, know. well, yeah, because you have to be in your gear on the ice for 30 minutes for their pregame ceremony every Saturday. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? So, you know, we're playing with those types of players and, the, you know, the, the, the Blake Wheelers and the Shifleys and, you know, playing with some of the best players in the, in, in the world uh, and seeing, you know, what, what those types of leaders bring to the table does nothing but help you. And I think that, you know, Logan's, uh, Logan's age and his number of games in the NHL, I got to think it'll help a team like Belleville and hopefully Ottawa. Definitely. We, uh, I can't express enough. We're excited to have Logan Shaw as uh, Sens fans, that's for sure. Uh, last question for me, Gerard. I want to go back to Igor Sokolov. A lot of Sens fans are really intrigued about him. And you said he really put in the work to, to make sure he could be a pro. Now, when we expect he's going to play in Belleville and hopefully uh, the Ottawa Senators one day, when he is playing pro, do you think he's going to be able to keep that offense up? Sure, he had a lot of goals in the queue in his last season, but once he comes to a pro level, do you think he's going to be able to translate that offensive side as well? I think uh, Igor will 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 figure that out. If he's if he's put with the right guys on his line right now, I think Igor's offense is going to be there. The one thing he continues to need to work on will be his foot speed, and um, you know he's a he's a big boy. He's a big boy, but he's Listen, I saw him last night at our game again, talked to him. He's, he's slim. He's trim. You know, he's dropped the weight and he didn't drop to get his foot speed. I've watched him uh, skating uh, on a, a couple of times last week. His foot speed is improving, and I think it's going to continue to improve, especially when he gets to, uh, gets to Belleville and he's working with some other guys there that are pushing him a little bit, uh, and he understands the change of pace that he needs to, he need, he needs to feel that first, I think. So he understands just how much of a change he needs to make. 
Do I believe Igor is going to come in and jump in to be a, an offensive threat early? No. Do I think Igor is going to be an offensive threat when he, when he adjusted the system? Absolutely. Oh, I love to hear that. And I like how you casually just mentioned, even though he's not playing on the team anymore, he's still at all the games, or you can't keep this guy away from the rink or what? Igor hasn't missed one of our games this season. That's <laughs> one of amazing. our home games, he's there, right? Oh, um, so uh, yeah. Well, you guys have had a great start to the year too, and we're excited to continue following along. And best of luck. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Gerard. And hopefully we can do this again down the road. We'd love to have you back on. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Really appreciate it. It was fun. Hope you guys learned something from that chat with Gerard Shaw. I know we did, definitely. There's such good insight. And as we mentioned before the show, just salt of the earth, guys, up in Cape Breton. If you haven't visited, I would very much recommend doing so once things are, are opened up a little bit. And good for, good for them out in the East Coast. I think there's four positive cases in the entirety of Nova Scotia. Those guys locked it down, had the bubble situation, and now... They have more games played than everyone else in the queue because of that, because they let the Maritimes continue to play on. But Pilsy, looks like we have an update for the Quebec teams in the QMJHL. Yeah, real interesting here. Uh, the QMJHL announced that uh, they're going to be moving forward with, a, they're calling it a protected environment event that will take place from November 17th to 27th in Quebec City. So all the Quebec teams in the queue are going to be playing against each other. It's like a, uh, you know, like a little bubble tournament. And each of the Quebec teams are going to play six regular season games in that time. So that's just a way to try to catch up with everyone else. But this was an interesting move for me, Ross, because what happens after this? Then do they just go back to playing like normal and risking an outbreak again? I, th I thought it was a little weird that they're doing this for such a limited time, but uh, Hopefully, hopefully it works out. And I mean, we've seen the bubbles are effective. So we'll see if they continue to do the bubble or what's going to happen after. How much of this do you think? And I know that there's the fact that in the standings right now, it's crazy. There's teams that have played 12, 13 games. And then there's teams like Victoriaville who have played four. Gatineau Olympique also have played four games versus 12. So you have to make them catch up a little bit. But also, there's got to be guys here who are hoping to play in the World Juniors. And they're like, man. We got to get back on the ice. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, like you can't. How how much longer could they have gone on letting the Maritimes teams play and then the Quebec teams don't play? Like, what? How do you make that up scheduling wise? That is an absolute disaster. So I feel real real bad for the person or people. Probably there's a team of people working on the schedule for the queue now. Well, the good news, though, is that we are inching closer to the World Juniors as well. I mean, it's also great news that. They're figuring out a way to get these kids back playing with body checking, I should mention. But we are actually getting closer. We're just about two weeks away right now from Team Canada starting their training camp in a bubble for the World Junior. So that's exciting. I don't think Philip Dahoust uh, even has a sniff. I mean, actually, I think he aged out. But he is having a breakout year with the Moncton Wildcats at a four-assist game earlier last week. But, man, this guy's got points in seven straight. Yeah, have a weekend, Philippe. Like, wow, what a good weekend for him. Two goals and an assist in Friday's game. And then he had another assist in Saturday's game. And yeah, like you said, Ross, he's been hot. He started off the season with only no with only with no points in his first three games. And he's got 12 points in his last seven games. So what a what a way to bounce back there, that's for sure. Wow, awesome. So we hope to see that continued growth from Philip Daus. The Sens, of course, have uh, a couple 
pretty impressive sixth rounders in the past. So hopefully uh, Philip can continue that trend. We'd love to see it just like you love to see days in Sens history to end off the show today. Why not go to the fastest two goals in Sens history and Pillsy? We don't have to go back far for this. We only have to go back last year, November 9th, 2019. The Ottawa Senators set a franchise record for the fastest two goals. First, it was Vlad Nemestikov, and then Jean-Gabriel Pajot. They scored four seconds apart. What game was this? Who were they playing? It was against the Carolina Hurricanes. Nemestikov had a Tyler Ennis shot, hit him in front of the net, got past James Reimer, and then right off the next faceoff, Pajot buzzes up, and it's in. 3-0 Ottawa early. They win that game 4-1. I think I remember that Pajot goal, actually. Right, like He comes right up the middle, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I remember that. That is four seconds, you said? Four seconds. That is amazing. Like, just to get the puck from center ice to to the net in four seconds is pretty difficult. So, damn, that's impressive. Yeah, we'll tweet that out at Sens Central tomorrow. As we mentioned, Igor Sokolov and a whole lot more later in the week. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.